Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi, guys. Today, we're speaking with Becky Morrison, an author and lawyer-turned-life coach who encourages her clients to reach for happiness by embracing life seasons rather than resisting them. After embracing a life of shoulds, Becky realized that the traditional career path for success wasn't serving her on a holistic level. After figuring out the path to happiness for herself, she launched a business to help others do the same. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Becky. How are you today? Hi, Nat. I'm good. How are you? So good. Um, Do you want to let our listeners know where you're calling in from? I would be happy to. So I'm calling in from Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Beautiful. How's the traffic? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, let's see. It's nine o'clock on a Sunday right now where I am. So the traffic is no issue. I've been, that's the only place I've ever been sideswiped in my life. (laughs) <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. And then they just like drove away really fast. And, oh, no. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you have a very interesting business and, and some really interesting theories, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, I want to know all about you. So how did you become the woman that you are today? Tell us your backstory. Well, I'll start by just sort of introducing myself. You said it. My name is Becky Morrison. I'm a mom, wife, lawyer turned happiness coach. So Mm. right there, you know that I have kind of an interesting story. Yeah. Um, How did I become the woman I am? Well, that's like, (laughs) how long do we have? Um, (laughs) uh, No, but I'll start, I'll start with, um, I'll start by saying this. So I um, did what I think a lot of people do, which was I embraced a life full of shoulds. I went to, you know, a good high school. I did all the right activities. I got good grades. I went to a good college. I got a good job after college. And then when it was time, I decided that it was time to go to graduate school. And I went to law school because it seemed like it was either going to law school or getting my MBA. And I kind of flipped a coin and ended up with law school. And same thing in law school, right? Did everything that I should do, got good grades, ended up working in a big law firm right after law school. By that point, I had met my husband and had my daughter, and I had what I call my bathtub moment, which really is the beginning of this path that I'm on today. Um, And let me tell you what that was, because it's not what it sounds like. (laughs) Bathtub moment. So picture this. (laughs) My bathtub moment. Were you drinking in the bathtub? um, (laughs) No, I wasn't even in the bathtub. So Uh, let me tell you the story. So I uh, picture this. It's a a random Tuesday. Um, At this point, I have a 18-month-old. My husband is working in counterterrorism, and I'm working as a litigator. And we're working on a really big trial, and I'm on the team that's preparing the experts for trial. And we've got calls scheduled late into the evening, and something has blown up in the world. And as a result, that means my husband is stuck at work. So I find myself at 8.30 at night sitting on the floor of the bathroom with a toddler in the bathtub, the cordless phone, because this is now Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, clipped to the back of my pants with earphones in, 
the notebook on top of the toilet seat cover and papers spread out all over the bathroom floor, trying to give my toddler a bath while simultaneously preparing our expert for trial. Mm -hmm. And I had two thoughts in quick succession. My first thought was, I'm amazing. Like, I am literally killing it. This is the epitome of working mom. I am so badass. Like, look at me go. And then really, like, without missing a beat, the next thought was, this is not sustainable. This isn't even making me really happy. Although I'm proud that I'm getting it all done right now. This is not how I want my life to look forever. Yeah. And thus began a 15-year road of trying to tweak and find the recipe that was right for my happiness um, as my, and this is where we talk about seasons, as my seasons evolved, as my seasons changed in life. And so fast forward 15 or so years later, here I am, uh, two and a half years into a coaching and consulting business um, where I literally spend my days helping other people live happier, work happier, lead happier, and build oh, happier And it was all from that kind of moment of realization that this just wasn't sustainable for you. How did you then, how did you then create a, a business out of that? What was the journey from that moment of realization to starting a coaching business where you could be helping people? So, I mean, I would love to say that it was just that bathtub moment. That was sort of the, the, the beginning. Um, and as you know, with many things, right, we get these whispers yeah. from the universe. That was a whisper. It became a shout. Um, yeah. So fast forward another year or so, and I had a um, life-threatening pregnancy loss. Oof, and I'm so sorry. Oh, I appreciate that. It was a real wake-up call. And in yeah. that moment, they say, you know, you have your, those moments where your life flashes before your eyes. And in that moment, I saw conference rooms and conference <laughs> calls and realized that was not the legacy that I wanted to leave. Um, And so that was really what it took to get me out of this very comfortable place of clearly societally appreciated success, um, comfortable money, and into thinking about what do I really need my life to look like. And so the next thing I did, and I didn't go right from there to coaching, right? I didn't go right from Mm -hmm. there to taking this big leap. Um, The next thing I did was move into the administrative side of law firm work, where I was able to have much more control of my own schedule and had a very long season of being a mom first. And so, yes, I was a working mom, but when push came to shove, work knew, my family knew, everyone in my life knew that family was going to come first. Um, And so that was the first step in sort of like recognizing that I was in this season, recognizing what my priorities in that season were, and then really striving to execute on those. So I I just have a quick question just so we can relate. Mm -hmm. So how old are you when this is happening and how many kids do you have? Like what what are the specifics of your life? Oh, you're going to ask me to do math. So (laughs) to give give you a flavor, I'm I'm 45 now. Yeah. Um, This is all happening. I made that job change in 2006. So okay. I'm, I'm in my early 30s. Okay. Uh, I had my daughter when I was 27, and then I had my son when I was 
think this math is right. So I'm, I'm in my late 20s, early 30s. I had my daughter okay. when I was 27. I had my son when I was in my early 30s. Well, in, in that era, too, I mean, it's it's it hasn't changed much in the U.S. <laughs> since that era, mm-hmm. but it's it was really bad. Like, that's when I was starting. I had my, my first son in 2006, and I okay. remember being a young mom and, and also, like, a you know, starting out my career and stuff, and it was, like, ruthless. It was, you know, I don't care that the daycare shut down. I don't (laughs) care, you know, you figure it Mm -hmm. out. Like it was very, very ruthless. So it's, it's, it definitely, I don't don't know if it's like that still. Um, (laughs) Maybe I don't know that it's, yeah, well, legal is like 10 years behind everyone else in a lot of ways. (laughs) When it comes to kind of across the board. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, But I can tell you sort of right after that, that, um, That pregnancy loss, I had my associate evaluation. And so for those who don't work in legal, right, one of the big metrics that you're measured on is how many billable hours you have in a given year. Right. And a full-time billable hour year would be 1,950 hours. Yeah. So what that equates to is effectively working or billing, rather, seven and a half hours every weekday for the whole year. So no vacations, no downtime. And then to add for the whole year. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And then to add some clarity, to bill seven and a half hours, right, you don't bill when you're an attorney. You're billing for work done. So when you do non-billable things like attend a conference, attend a um, personal development meeting, attend business mm. development meetings, um, yeah. have lunch, use the bathroom, uh, online shop, that's not billable, right? Yeah. So you're right. actually working a nine-plus hour day just to hit a seven and a half our billable day. And that's if you're efficient. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And uh, so that particular year, um, I had billed 2,200 hours oh because we'd been in trial. And that's not abnormal for a trial attorney. And you but had my associate your value, kids were little and you were billing that much? My, I had one daughter at the uh-huh. time. So I had a toddler at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and I had just lost a pregnancy. And oh, my God. I had my associate evaluation call and they suggested that I needed to find a different childcare arrangement. Wow. Did you say like, is this your business? I mean, like what, what? <laughs> I wish I, I had said I that. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much time I've spent actually replaying what I wish I had oh, said in that moment, God. but it's I the worst literally, feeling. yes, terrible. Yeah. I had literally come back into the office to do my evaluation meeting, um, having just sort of been recovering from this awful, traumatic pregnancy situation. Wow. So what I did is I literally lost my shit. I mean, that's what I did. And and so, I was like, I'm going to need to. Losing. I want to Well, no, not like, losing. not in a good way, not in a fun way. <laughs> oh, okay. Like in a, like in a, I'm just, you know, crying and can't yeah. even come up with an answer. Like which it's is, never enough. It's never enough. No, and no. that's, and you know honestly, what? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just want to like give you some some support here. So many women feel this way. So and so often at work, it's like we it's like you give and you give and you give and you give and then something happens and like you're you get negative feedback and you're like, "Do you know that I felt like dying and I still got the project done, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. And you're like, oh my God, I've given so much of myself. 
Wow. I mean, to put it in perspective, I had had an ectopic pregnancy that ruptured and had oh. multiple blood transfusions and was back at work within oh my God. three days. That's insane. That's brutal. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, I don't recommend for no. anyone. It's not necessary. There's no job that's worth it. No one but do I that. Didn't. No one was this listening. the final yeah. straw no then one. when you went through <laughs> no. this, like, like, such a traumatic situation and then that there was, was no it. support? Like, you can't, that, that's not a life, is it? Like, what? See, so you obviously just snapped. No. Understandably. I, I did. And then they knew that they had had, had a misstep. And so they sent the. And we only had at the time two female partners in the DC office at this law firm. And what so they sent both of those. What percentage is that of your partners? I Ooh, just uh, my guess would be, I don't have the numbers, but my guess would be that's about 2% of the female partners. I mean, of the partners total. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so not, not yep. a big presence considering that we're 51% no. of the population on the planet. No. But let's, okay, keep going. So they sent those two women to come talk to me about whether I wanted to go part time. Okay. That was their solution. Not oh. rec- And so my answer to those women was, I billed 2,200 hours last year. Why yeah. do I need to go part-time? Mm-hmm. And their answer was like, we don't really, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. No, this is messed up. <laughs> 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 I mean, what are they well, going to say, right? Yeah, I mean, at least you had those two women partners. Like, it's, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like some people yes. wouldn't have even had that. Wow. Yeah, what happened next? So... I did what one who had lived their life doing everything that they should do up until this point would do, which is I started to look for other law firm jobs, right? I've invested all of this time into my legal education. I'm at about four and a half years of associateship, which in the U.S. it's typical that you would be considered for the first level of partnership sometime between seven and nine years. So I'm like halfway there, right? And I don't want to throw that away. Right. So I go and look at other law firm jobs thinking that maybe I just need to be at a a quote-unquote better culture fit. Okay. And I'm interviewing, and I'm not really finding anyone that's giving me the indication that it's going to be a better fit culturally. Mm. And so meanwhile, I'm also having this internal debate of like, I actually really just want to be more present for my daughter. And that shouldn't have to mean that I work part-time, right? I can work full-time. I just can't be giving all this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And be giving like, all of this time yeah. away for no value in return, right? Like you're not yeah. even going to acknowledge that that's meaningful. And so right. yeah. um, was very fortunate at that point to find an opportunity to, to take a, a leap from the practicing side of a law firm to the administrative side of a law firm at one of arguably the best litigation law firms in the country. Um, so it meant that I was working with really intelligent, amazing attorneys, but helping them run the business side um, in a more efficient way. And I have sort of a pre-law school background in process and systems stuff. Okay. And so okay. that appealed to that part of me. And so it was a way that I could kind of take a step off the path, but justify it to the mm-hmm. people around me, right? Be able to answer the question of what are you, what exactly are you doing? It was like, well, I'm making Oof. a work, work-life balance decision here, right? Oof. But then you just admitted that you felt like you had to justify it to the people around uh, 100%. you. hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Oh, bless yeah. it. Bless it all. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but, but the good news is, I mean, it was a great fit, yeah. It was a great fit for gotcha. that season of my life. And so while I was there, very shortly into my time there, I had my son, um, who is now 13. And I spent a decade uh, in that job, in various iterations of that job. They they 
really were good to me. They allowed me some growth. It ended up evolving into a hybrid administrative legal role. And then I hit another moment in my career where, so at this point now, fast forward, I've got, so this is about five years ago, I've got a 12-year-old and a eight-year-olds who are much more independent, need me in a very different way. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I've got more time on my hands. What do I want to do? And so at the time, I'm working in an area of the law that is exploding um, in litigation. And I'm looking at it saying, okay, well, I could really dig in and become an expert here. Yeah. But I don't want to. (laughs) This doesn't (laughs) sound fun to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of over at this point doing things that don't sound, and I don't mean fun in a cheesy way, but like don't sound purpose-driven, don't really fit what I yeah. want to do, aren't giving back. You know, like helping helping big companies more efficiently review litigation data just doesn't have that like, you know, get me out of bed in the morning vibe <laughs> to it. <laughs> I'm changing the world in a positive way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear so, you. I, I, from there, started thinking about other opportunities. And this was kind of the first time in my career that I was think that I really opened the door to opportunities outside of legal. Yeah. Um, and so I did. I interviewed at other law firms like one would. And every single one, I was like, yeah, still not that interesting. Um, yeah. And nothing, you know, nothing against, like, I have a lot of colleagues who are still in that industry and very successful, and it very clearly lights them up, and I'm here for it, right? But it was right. not it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I took a chance and, and took a leap into a working for a very small um, yeah. investment fund. Yeah, okay. As their COO to help them kind of professionalize a little bit and to figure out whether they were going to grow. Yeah, Okay. Well, that's not, a, so that's not that. a crappy job. That's pretty cool. No, it was a phenomenal fit yeah. for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, one, it got me out of legal. Yeah. <laughs> Two, it got me into a, an environment where things were a little less certain. One of the hardest things to let go of in leaving big law was knowing for sure that your next paycheck was going to be there. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's stable. It's certain. The firm, the firm that I was working for isn't going anywhere. Well, and you were um, set, and so you've to, set up your life revolving around making a certain amount of money, <laughs> right? I mean, even if you've tried not to. Yeah. Yeah, even you're if you've tried not lawyer. to. Yeah. 100%. It's called like yeah. lifestyle exactly. creep, isn't it? Like where, yeah. you, where you get to a certain point where you just, you have an expectation for how your lifestyle needs to be. And that's what a big yeah. thing that scares people of making the leap into entrepreneurship as well is is actually letting go of those things. And Yeah, when here's the thing. Like when you're a parent, it's not just your expectation. It's not because you love designer shoes. It's that you've put your kid <laughs> in a private school, <laughs> you know, yeah. like or whatever. And you're like, oh my God, I can't let my kid down. So let's keep doing this job that makes me miserable, <laughs> you know? That's right. Yeah. I mean, you call it lifestyle creep. I call it golden handcuffs, right? It's the same yeah. it's the same idea. It's this idea that, you know, there's, yeah, you, you absolutely, whether you've intended to or not, have adapted to having a particular setup and a particular yeah. trajectory, right? Like you have an imagination of what the next X yeah. amount of years are going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, so getting free of those, that just that notion was huge. And then being in, I mean, I was in a, it's a, let's call it a 10-person organization, um, where I could have much more direct impact on things that were happening. Uh, I liked 
the slightly more entrepreneurial environment in a way that I found very surprising. I did not expect to enjoy that piece of it. And so we hit a moment with that company where they decided not, or or not decided is not fair, but the economy decided for them that growth was not going to happen right now. And it no longer made sense for me after having done some of the work that I had done um, to clean up certain things. What they really needed was a CFO and not a COO. And yeah. I'm yeah. not a finance person <laughs> and yeah. I didn't want to become a finance person. And so I joke with my um, former boss that you know, he fired me into my best job yet, but he <laughs> he didn't really fire me. We we made a mutual decision that it was the right time for me to move on. And at that moment, I you know had sort of admitted to myself, admitted to my family, um, most importantly to myself though, that really what I wanted to do was help other people be successful. I wanted to be a coach, and I didn't yeah. know what that would look like or what that would mean, but I wanted to figure it out. Yeah. And I, I really owed it to myself having put in all this time and now having gotten to a place where I've got, you know, a junior in high school who'll be off to college next year and a son who's in seventh grade, you know, on his way into high school. And now I know what high school is going to look like or a little bit anyway to like figure out who I am again and who I am outside of just being a mom first. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. So you've come full circle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been a journey and it's not been a straight path. And I, I, it's funny, I was talking to somebody recently and I said, I've taken a lot of left turns and they're like, don't, if you don't, if you take enough, don't you end up back where you started? And I was like, well, I like to think of it more like, like a Nautilus shell, like I'm finding the center. Right. And that's what I really feel like is I finally landed um, in more of the center of who I am and what I'm really here to do, at least in this season. Right. And there's going to be room for that to change and evolve. But for right now, I know that my purpose is to spread joy. And so let's that's talk about, about seasons because we've we've kind of touched on this throughout your your journey to becoming a coach. But what does it mean? And it's it's something that you you talk about quite a lot that we have a season in we have different seasons in our lives, and actually identifying what season you're in can lead you to be more happy. So, can you explain the concept of what a season is? Like, is it like an inner winter and inner summer? <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of ways we can look at the seasons of the calendar for analogies, but I, I actually think seasons are a much more personal thing. And some people might call them chapters, but the idea is this, and I'm going to use the calendar seasons to help okay. illustrate this analogy. So here's the idea. If I were to drop you, I'm trying to think of somewhere <laughs> not in the U.S., um, on Mont Blanc, yeah. Okay. In in December, in a bikini, you'd be uncomfortable, yeah. right? Yeah. Probably right now because I'm nine months pregnant. Freezing cold. <laughs> well, yeah. For a variety of reasons then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, put aside how you might feel about showing up in a bikini on a mountain <laughs> and any season. Yeah, yeah. But my, my point is you'd be cold, right? You would be yeah. uncomfortable because you would not be dressed for the season. Right, if, right, right. Though we could very quickly find you a snowsuit, suddenly your comfort level would increase. Right. It's a little bit artificial, but the idea is this. I think oftentimes our life evolves and our seasons change, and we don't stop to take stock of where we're really sitting and what that means mm-hmm. for our priorities. Mm-hmm. Another good example of this, I think, that we've seen is the season that we all happen to be living through, I think, kind of regardless of where we're sitting in the world at the moment, 
which is navigating mm-hmm. a global pandemic. This is not a season that we chose. But I've talked to so many people who, despite the fact that the entire construct of our world is different, their goals haven't shifted. Yeah. And they're frustrated. Right. And they're overwhelmed. Yeah. And they're on the path to hmm. burnout. Right. And I think it starts by saying, oh, wait, different season. Yeah. What needs to change? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this sounds like a terribly simple concept when I explain it like this, but when you begin to talk with people about how they're living, you recognize that it's a simple concept that a lot of us, because of the pace in which yeah. our world moves, yeah. have lost sight of. Yeah, right. and being so productive and like efficient all the time, that is what leads to burnout. And there's a there's a concept of you know in farming <laughs> that, yeah. that you have like fallow land where mm-hmm. it's like a fallow period where you just don't do anything to it because then that actually helps the soil to enrich itself and so that you can then grow better crops. It's kind of the same, I guess, with us. Like you you need time off. You need time to just be without doing so that you can re-energize yourself. Would would you say that that comes into the concept of seasons? I- I think it, well, I want to say two things about what you said. Um, I I want to just offer a thought that being is doing. Yeah. (laughs) Because because I think, and and I don't mean that to to challenge you, but I I do think we live in this world where we believe that doing has to look like constant activity. Yeah. Yeah. And, And being, as you point out, being fallow, allowing space, being still, resting, allowing recovery is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a part of the cycle. That is a part of the process. You have to have And there certainly, yeah. 100%. And there certainly can be seasons of our lives. And again, because seasons are so personal, right? They could be short. They could be long. Um, but but there can be seasons of our lives that might be our, I think mm. you called it wintering, yeah. right? Our wintering yeah. season. Our season where we are a little slower, a little more um, at home, a little more c- yeah. contemplative, and that we have to allow that. And I think that's a, another great example of if, if we are in mm-hmm. such a season, yeah. but we don't acknowledge it, what does that do to our happiness? Or ignore it. Yeah. Try to pretend yep. that it's we do yeah, have like, not happening. Yeah. Because it's not but we convenient do, you sometimes. Do have, and I, I think if you think about it, we have a natural like ebb and flow of, of feeling energized and and good and, and like very creative and and motivated and also mm-hmm. periods where you just want to rest and you're tired and yeah. it is kind of like the seasons of of the year with like summer and winter when you think of when you think of it in that visual way um and so like how do you recognize when you're in before you break down yeah before you break down <laughs> what, how do you recognize when you're like coming into a new it's- season and you have to like adjust how you're living your life i mean i actually think it it comes down to creating a practice of asking yourself the question mm-hmm. of yeah. what season you're in. And for me, that's a question because of the way that I think about this, because this is on the forefront mm-hmm. of my brain. When things start to see, even just begin to seem uncomfortable, they yeah. begin to seem like they're not working right. right. That is one of the first questions I will ask myself. Yeah. Has a season changed okay. in some way? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Right. So to do it when you start to feel that friction or that tension, as opposed to waiting for that tension to become painful. 
Yeah. So I had my my nervous breakdown um, a little younger than yours. <laughs> but Congratulations. I wanted, uh, thank you. But I wanted to talk about it a little bit because so I uh, and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. So, so the listeners are familiar with the story. But I became a, a single mom at 27 um, okay. of two kids. Right. And I had to support them on my own and all that stuff. And so, um, you know, I, by the time I was like 32, was it? 32, I was completely shot, you know, and this is like Mm -hmm. built a great career, was making six figures by the time I was 30 on a bachelor's of fine arts degree in design, Mm. um, which is hard to freaking do, guys. Yes. (laughs) I like was working, you know, two jobs a lot of the time, like raising them, you know, obviously there were certain struggles with their father and then things that I was working through and all that stuff as well. Um, so honestly just completely lost my shit, um, you know, and like went to, uh, India for a couple months. Um, my parents watched my children so that I could go to India and live in a shala and study with a guru. But I remember this moment because I was like, I've, I've got to do something or I've, I'm going to freak out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so, I, I remember this moment arriving in India and like all that's a whole nother story going to a third world country mm-hmm. for the first time to like live in a hut by the sea. Um, mm-hmm. But I I had this moment where I woke up the next day and I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Like, and it's this, like, <laughs> I had to learn how to be for yeah. two months and it was torture the first month. I was in Shavasana, I remember. And one of the trainers came up to me and he's like, are you Okay. And I was like, why? And he's like, you were physically twisting around and I could feel, I could see you. Like I was physically like wriggling around because Mm -hmm. I was in Shavasana and I was thinking like I was so upset about so many things in my life, you know, and he could see me like being tortured. And he's like, are you okay? And he's, you know, asking me how he can help. But that's kind of where I got to before taking that moment you know, and reassessing and reevaluating and reworking what season I was in and acknowledging what I'd been through. And I think a lot of women talk about that. Like they get, it's like some massive thing where they have to have a mm-hmm. massive breakdown or hap- you, you know, and we don't have to do that necessarily. Like you can recognize it beforehand. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that and talk about what those little things are, what you can, like how we can be kinder to ourselves and adjust faster. Do you not think sometimes faster? you kind of need to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough? <laughs> like, Do we have I to don't know. really to, to, <laughs> have like, to have breakdown? I, feel, I don't know. Sometimes like you have to hit rock bottom like to really make a change. Otherwise you just like coast on. I don't know. What do you think, mm. Becky? Tell us, Becky. <laughs> Tell us what um, the truth is. Well, since yeah. I have the official answer. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I think the answer, I think the answer is it depends, right? I mm-hmm. do think, I will say this. I do think that there are certain times where all things, like where yeah. there has to be a big shift, like a breakdown or or something huge has to happen for you to really have the motivation. Mm. I don't know if motivation is the right word, but like have the impetus to make radical change. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's a requirement, but I do think that by tuning in a little more to what we're thinking, what we're feeling, where that tension's coming from, we can save ourselves Mm -hmm. some of that, 
right? Yeah. I don't know that we can save all of those radical changes, right? Like there are lessons in those breakdowns that become part of that breakthrough. And I wouldn't want to give up those Mm -hmm. lessons per se. But I do think when it comes to then continuing on a road of living happier, being more in tune, giving your voice more more of a platform to be heard on your own happiness is pretty important. And I really love you sharing that story, Nat. Thank you. Um, Of course. Because it reminds me that when we enter a new season, like any change, it is often uncomfortable. Oh, God. Torture. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't mean it's the wrong season for us. And I think we've we've come to a point in this world where we almost equate discomfort with don't. Yeah. And we're, that's not, that can't be it, right? Because growth and evolution and change all are going to require some discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is the thing where you, we've got to be careful, right? Because it's okay to feel shit for a while if it's because mm-hmm. you're working through something really important that you have to work through and you've been ignoring it for a long time. Like, it's okay to sit with that uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And people oftentimes, you know, whether it's like, hey, am I on the right career path or am I in the right relationship or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, oftentimes mm-hmm. we just ignore, ignore, ignore because it's more convenient to ignore, right. you know. Mm-hmm. It's more convenient to just ignore and feel uh, comfortable where you are to a certain extent, even when it's not the right thing. I think that's right. And I, I mean, look, we are not even great as a world at naming what we're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> we're really crappy I mean, at it, actually. Uh, you know, I, I watched a, um, a video on LinkedIn the other day. It was Simon Sinek, and he had a, a coach on who was talking with him about feelings. And she asked him, well, name what you're feeling right now. And he was like, well, I feel like, and I can't remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of like, I feel like I'm not sure how I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And she's like, that's not a a feeling, by the way. Like, that is not even a little bit of a feeling. And it just highlights for me how, I mean, it's true. When you really stop and say, like, what Mm -hmm. am I feeling right now? It's taken me a lot of practice to really be able to sink in and come up with the word for the feeling or feelings that I have, let alone kind of process them, find the wisdom in them, figure out what that means for my season, you know, all of that um, takes a container that you either have to create for yourself or work with somebody else to create for you. What are some, yeah. like, I know it sounds like a silly question, but what are some words that describe feeling like, if you, like, is it stuff like you would say, not what you're doing, but I feel uneasy right now or I feel um, ex- excited or I've got anticipation, that kind of thing. Is, like, how... I think those are a lot closer okay. to feeling words, right? I feel anxious. I feel un- I feel scared. I feel uh, sad. I mean, any you know things that um, we often just try to turn them into or attach them to action. And so I think mm-hmm. it's decoupling them, right? It's not I feel anxious that it's like no, actually I just okay. feel yeah. anxious. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and then digging a little deeper into that feeling of like well. I mean, for me, like when I'm working with a client, right, it would be a question like, well, tell me more about that. Or it might be, what do you think that feeling, that anxiety Mm -hmm. is trying to tell you? Mm -hmm. 
because that can be a really powerful unlocking question. I'll give you that will take the anxiety as an answer, yeah. as an example, rather. If I say, what is that anxiety trying to tell you, right? You can imagine a scenario where it's trying to tell you that you really want to be successful in this endeavor. You can imagine a scenario in which that anxiety could be telling you you're afraid of being judged. Right. You can imagine a scenario in which that anxiety could be telling you you don't actually want to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really understanding what the source, the root of that feeling is can be powerful because then that feeling, which is just energy, can move. But until you acknowledge it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So how do you work with clients typically? Like you've got your coaching business, you know. First of all, are there industries that, okay, very first of all, do you just work with female clients or do you work with anybody? And then I'd like to know if there are industries that people typically come to you to for this coaching more often than others, Um, and then, like, how you actually work with them as a coach. So I work with anybody. Okay. Um, I have kind of a a good mix of male and female clients. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people, understandably, who are lawyers or in the legal industry. Yeah. I also have a fair number of clients who are in technology and finance, Yes. Um, because I speak those languages too. I think that makes it easy. Yep. yep. It's yep. the high pressure. And then it's that I've got sort of my my legal background um, is like a hybrid legal technological background. And so I can relate to a lot of the the structures and terminology and, and players there too. Yeah. Um, right now I work with people one-on-one primarily. Um, I have a book coming out. It'll be in pre-sale. Woo. Um, this week, actually. Well, that's <laughs> exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And so once that is out, I will begin working with people. I mean, I haven't launched it yet, but I'm working on developing a course and group coaching program on the framework of that book. Gorgeous. What is the book called? Yes. So the book is called The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters. And where could we buy it if we wanted to buy it? So uh, for sure, you'll be able to find it on Amazon. Yeah. It will likely also be available some other places. I don't know that answer sitting here today because we haven't pushed go yet, but yeah. it's coming. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, if someone wants to be coached by you or reach out for some help, um, mm-hmm. how can they find you? So the best way to find me is on my website, and that is www, obviously, that was sort of a given, untanglehappiness. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did I start there? So it's untanglehappiness.com. Beautiful. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Becky. It has been incredible, such a profound episode, and I have connected with you on every platform, so please keep in touch. Um, Good. I'm glad you did. Yeah, of course. And we'll chat soon. Awesome. Thanks, both of you. I appreciate it. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.